Midsummer Night's Dream. When Felix and Fanny Mendelssohn were kids, they used to uh, reenact this play, Midsummer. No Night. kidding. Yeah. And that was like their family's entertainment. The two of them would act out all of the parts, you know? And yeah. it was, so this is like 300 years before Mendelssohn, the Mendelssohns were born. I was confused about this because I thought, I thought that somehow, back in the day when I was younger, I thought that somehow the play and the, and the, and the musical were, were contemporaneous. No, it was, it was that Felix and Fanny grew up loving this play and yeah. acting it out together as kids. And so when he decided to write, he wrote um, the first part of the music for it, he wrote when he was quite young, like when he was just starting to compose. Mm -hmm. He wrote the overture, which is just the opening part, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like in our modern movies, it would be like the theme music at the beginning, right? Yeah. So, da, 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 that was He wrote it. the Star Wars thing? I wow. know, but that was an example, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so it was the opening music, kind of like... Hey, Luke Skywalker, get off here, blow on the floor. Eh? I can't breathe in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... 1826, he wrote this. He was just starting his career as a composer. He was very young, 17 years old. And he thought, I'll write some music inspired by Shakespeare's play, Midsummer's mm -hmm. Night Dream. Later, almost 20 years later... So, um, 1842, he decides to write uh, the incidental music. And so this is... In modern day terms, this is like the score for the, mm -hmm. like if we have the for score the movie. For, for the movie, right? Mm -hmm. The incidental music is what would play during the action. Whilst. The, whilst all the rest of the action. Oberon, King Oberon sends his um, his minion to uh, put this spell on Queen Titania. She um, ends up, it's this comedic scene where she's speaking words of love to this guy who's now got a donkey head and it's it's pretty funny and the way they, they did it for the for the play here was really really well done but if you listen to Mendelssohn's music there's a part really early in um, in his music where he actually has the instruments playing donkey sounds da -da, da -da, da -da. <laughs> so I'll play that in a moment so you can hear it but um, play it now. right now okay And then, um, I think actually, chron uh, chronologically, beforehand, he had... Get it straight, would you? I know. Gosh. Like, I'm talking... The people are totally lost now. I know, they're so confused, eh? <laughs> I'm Bob, and this is my brother, Doug. So <laughs> and today we're talking about, like, Mendelssohn, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... So... Um, so he has, I think it's called the Dance of the Fairies, and there's this music, and it's like this this great music that you can just imagine. Um, let's say, for example, ballet, right, where they're like dancing around the stage. But it was just Mendelssohn's sort of image of what this would sound like.
So the name Oberon and Titania, these names come from Shakespeare's play. No, no. Why? I mean, he was called William. Why do you use all these weird names? I know. I'm saying that's what I'm saying. He could have Othello. Had, well, you know what? It was probably maybe like he didn't want to use a name like Edward or Richard or something. They'd be like, so like you're dissing the queen, the king, right? And then <laughs> off be. with his head. Yes, could be. Could be. So he was like, well, better stick with the Greeks. Oberon, nobody's going to like go, oh, you clearly meant Richard there. Well, what if there was only one Oberon in town? Unless town? he said Oberon the Lionhearted. <laughs> then, then. So, Paul. You're in for a sword fight. Oopsie doodles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, 1842, he writes the whole shamil of this, this whole incidental thing, and that's... The whole shlamazel. The incidental music is what includes the wedding march, which is what I'll play right now. Just so you know, it's not da 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 da. It's this. It's not that. It's not. <laughs> so it's this. And so now we get to talk about Bach, because to me that wedding march, major echoes of Bach. Don't you think so? I I do think later, this is like in retrospect, a lot of Mendelssohn stuff. I can see. I know, that. and I was thinking at the time, just we were talking about Bach, and as I listen to this now, it just you know it hit me that wow, yeah, totally, so almost all of it. I I think in the uh, not derivative. It comes back to what you said about Eddie Van Halen, which, again, I had never thought of. But if you listen to a, um, the song Jump, mm -hmm. and you listen to the guitar part, and even more so, the keyboard. Yeah. You listen to the keyboard part in that song, and that is heavily, sounds heavily influenced by Bach. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what's happening here, which I'm... Right now, comparing Felix Mendelssohn to Eddie Van Halen, I, I guess. Wow. Maybe maybe a, a uh, you know a, 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 a through a line? continuity of yeah. the timeline. Yeah. So so the the wedding march and yes the funeral march did come from this as it well. Did. Okay. Um. So the the wedding march was something he wrote as part of that play. He just you know because there's a there's at the end of Midsummer's I don't spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen. <laughs> you haven't seen. Shakespeare if you haven't play. seen it, don't watch this part. Oh yeah, just skip over another five or ten seconds. Have you skipped yet? Have you skipped? Okay. Can well, skip, skip again because I haven't said it yet. <laughs> this is so awkward. <laughs> okay, so um, so they're at the end. These people who are all in love um, with a certain character. Puck thought it was funny to put these spells. Another great name, by the way. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. Was he Canadian? Well, yeah, because, like, you know, it was Hockey Night in Canada, and Shakespeare was like, what should I call him? And ba -ba 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 -ba. <laughs> Hockey Night in Canada, and he thought, well, I'll call one of my characters. So when Puck comes out, do we get the Hockey Night in Canada theme? <laughs> Come on, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Da -da 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 -da. We should totally rewrite this Midsummer Night's Dream and put all of our little things it's in there. It's all hockey. Okay. Um, Where are we going with this? So the at the at the end of the play, all of these characters have been messed with. They're they've 
spells on them. So they fall in love with the wrong person and all this stuff. And then at the end, they all wake up and they it all turns out to be a, a dream. dream. And that's the part where Mendelssohn thought, hey, wouldn't it be great if they had wedding music here because there's a wedding that happens in the play. Mm-hmm. And like how many Wait, people... where's the funeral march fit into this? So, we're also going to play some examples of Vom Himmel Hoch, probably really badly pronounced. Vom Himmel Hoch is actually text from Martin Luther because. Which, it, the Von Himmelbach? Hoch? <laughs> Von Himmel Hoch, now translate it. From heaven above to earth I come. See what I mean? So, this is text from Martin Luther, and um, Mendelssohn's family had converted to to Lutheran yes. religion. So it's really interesting that that decision by his father, basically to av- avoid anti-Semitism of the day, you know, and so he was heavily influenced by this and used that text to then write this choir, which is really beautiful. Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor, written sometime in the late 1830s or early 1840s, is considered one of the greatest violin concertos of 200 years ago. Gosh. Crazy, right? I mean, Yasha Heifetz, who, I gotta say, the the reason I know this name is because of Jack Benny. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Benny's hero, basically, was Yasha Heifetz, and... (laughs) I'm I'm a big old time radio. Was it his hero because he liked the name, or just because? no? Fantastic! He was an okay. amazing violinist. Okay, like when Good. you hear him Good. playing this, you'll get it. Okay, just I mean, it's Zach Perlman who I I love. You know, mm-hmm. like as a player, but also nothing his compared person. to this. 
I wouldn't say that, but the the nothing compares. <laughs> Prince reference, God. So Yasha Heifetz, he just he had this incredible technique, like his his bowing. Was like, he actually on the show though, on the Jack Benny show? Uh, or was it? I don't I don't remember Same any era. time. He it just was, mentioned him constantly. Okay. So like he called himself Benny. Yasha sometimes when he was going to play the violin. He'd have Don. Say, you know, introducing Yasha Benny. <laughs> I was really torn because I wanted to play Hilary Hahn, her performance of the Violin Concerto by Mendelssohn. Fantastic. But I played that in one of our previous episodes thinking that it was Fanny. Yeah. Please go back and look at that uh, episode. Fanny's music. Hi, oh, oy vey. Or maybe sometime in the future we'll find out that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Zach Perlman who he played it on Ed Sullivan's show when he was that would be cool you gonna play that I, I gotta show a clip of this cause it's it's. I mean if you know it's Zach Perlman he's like world famous fantastic player and everything he started on the Ed Sullivan show when he was like 11 or something introduced by Leonard Bernstein oh, I when he was that. like nine and his sister playing the piano. Really? Yeah. Which is amazing. I should probably play a clip of that too. We shall now have the pleasure of hearing Yo-Yo Ma accompanied by his sister Yu Cheng Ma play the first movement of the concertino number no. three in A major by Jean-Baptiste Breval who played, taught and composed for the cello 150 years ago in France. Welcome Yo-Yo Ma and Yu Cheng Ma. So Itzhak Perlman and Yo-Yo Ma, the similarity is that they both started really young, professionally playing. Also Yitzhak Perlman all over the Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, I love his playing, and I love that he's been doing it his whole life so well. But I love the, the fact as well that I think he's, he seems like a really good guy that's also sort of centered. And uh, again, he's I don't like... He's grown up with it well. Yeah. Kind of Although the concerto consists of three movements and each movement this was This was interesting to me. The concerto was innovative and included many novel features for its time. Well, the thing that I got out of that, though, is that they, it, it was more strung together. Whereas, you know, previously concertos would have a, would have a definitive uh, beginning and, and end. So you'd have a quiet ending spot between the, between the movements. You know, we're sitting here in 
2023 talking about this guy who died in 1847. Yeah. There's a reason, right? Yeah. And some of these things, like these innovations, I think it's really amazing. Thing that the two of them came up with, I would say, the songs without uh, words. Have we covered that enough? The songs without words. Have we covered the, the story behind that? Uh, I'll read it right now, actually. Okay. I'm reading from interlude.hk. Oh, okay. How many composers can rightfully claim to have single-handedly invented a genre? Uh, Miles Davis, three. Not uh, not that many. In fact, but Felix well, Beethoven, right? Uh, in Romanticism? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a heck of a claim. I didn't make it. There you go. Not that... <laughs> Felix Mendelssohn would certainly be a strong candidate with his songs without words. Again, say Felix, but it's the two Fs F here. And F. So I'll play a couple of examples. seems like there's a thing between us there's a door there's a, like there's glass or something between there's us something there's something between us i just <laughs> okay felix and fanny came up with this idea which although mendelssohn relied on an existing tradition of writing short pieces for the piano the wordless song was entirely new Okay, goodness, so like, can you can you try to expound on this a little bit and say like what what does that mean? In so think of think in auditory in in the auditory sense. Okay, so it means that you have to paint the picture. I mean, it's kind of what he was doing in uh, Midsummer's Night anyway. Paint the picture of the story with notes, not with saying and a donkey. Like, but well, isn't that no, what think all about music is? no, think about the twelve hundred oh, the minstrels. Okay, so what you're saying is they are saying, no, this is kind of like Picasso doing paintings of a feeling. But are these being set to a, to, to a play, or are they just... Not necessarily, no. Oh, okay, okay so, so this, reminds me of, this reminds me of the guys, uh, you know, some of the jazz artists that would try... Miles Davis tried it later in his career, 
to you know paint a picture with sound okay so keith jarrett also did some along those lines i mean that's the thing that's amazing about this to me is that it suggests that it's so huge an influence on what we know as music but also way ahead of its time and if you listen to crazy ahead if you listen to the 20th century artists the 20th century classical people like bartok and um, debussy and a bunch of these other guys that is kind of what they're doing don't you think Totally, totally. I, I, I think, okay, so he has this um, letter that he wrote to Fanny in 1828, apparently. What the music I love expresses to me is not thought too indefinite to put in words, but on the contrary, too definite. So what he's saying is that words, in a way, limit the expression of what he wants to say. It's too literal. Whereas if he can make the sounds that make you feel and and picture yourself in a whole different world. All right. Let me see if I can try this way. Okay. Have you ever have you ever felt a certain way and somebody asks you to describe it and you have trouble describing it? Totally. Or had an experience and how you felt during that experience and you try to describe that experience and you can't. Totally. So I think of it like so when I um, record my little pieces of music, you know, on GarageBand and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. Um, I did one today, this morning. Very I, good stuff, by the way. Thank you. you, you've got a place that we can listen to that, don't you? J Van Music on YouTube. Huh? Huh? So J Van Music, I'll put my little link in there so you can listen. Um, I recorded this song today, and I just wanted to put together a bunch of guitar sounds and make it sound a little bit like epic, you know. Which is funny because when I listened to it afterwards, I thought it sounds like Faith No More, that has. Oh, yeah. Epic, like yeah. this. <laughs> so I called it epic rock song. It's, it's a little, it's an homage to them, and I hope they don't take it as an insult because it was meant to be, like thanking them for the influence. Yeah, Faith No More was a huge influence on me back then exactly. in the nineties. Oh yeah, because I played keyboards in a rock and I like a hard rock band. Yeah. So I made the music and I was I was happy with it. I think it's I think it sounds really nice. But then I wanted to make a video. All I did was found a bunch of clips of guitarists. And it's like musicians playing, mm -hmm. and I just put them in as like a montage kind of thing, right? Cool. Because I just wanted people to have something to sort of look like a visualizer, you know? Are you going to play that now? Oh, I can play that, sure, yeah. Here's my epic, it's called Epic, or Epic Rock Song. Jeremy. like the muse guy right <laughs> the beginning of every you know the as a prelude to every note you got to hear this <gasps> <laughs> so the music was fine I, I had this picture in my head of how i wanted it to sound and how i wanted it to, to feel i sampled the bell from um from rush um yyz no from uh, dun, 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 closer to the heart oh wow yeah I, I took i took just that tubular bell that they used at the beginning i yeah. just sampled that 
Man, that's such a good song. But then I tried to make a play video. Play some Rush in here, would you? Oh, closer. I know it's Mendelssohn, but I'm play some Rush. Closer to the heart, just because if you can play Rush, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> How we doing? I think we're good. So we've really covered most of what I wanted to talk about. I think the the main idea was just to, to show some of the music of Felix Mendelssohn, which may well have been written by Fanny or together, to whatever, but some of it hugely famous that all of us know, like the Wedding March, for example. Some of it less famous, uh, unless you're like a classical music fan, um, but... Hopefully, this gives a little introduction to who Felix Mendelssohn was as a composer. You found the name of that uh, that pianist. Pianist. Oh, uh, Beatrice Rana yeah. is the pianist who's going to be. Uh, it's actually Clara and Robert Schumann's music, which I thought was neat. Both of them. Oh yeah. And uh, also contemporaries. We talked about them in the last uh, episode about Fanny. Yeah, and they were all. Um, Take a load off, Fanny. Is it Fanny or Annie? Is it take know. a load off Annie or take know. a load off Fanny? So it's, it, I was just mentioning um, Beatrice Rana is going to put out this music of Robert and of Clara and Robert Schumann. Uh, oh, right, because we were the, talking about February 3rd. Uh, February 3rd, birthday of uh, Felix Mendelssohn. Okay. So Felix Mendelssohn was born on February 3rd, which I think it's kind of neat that on February 3rd, Felix Mendelssohn's birthday... Uh, Beatrice Rana is going to be putting out an album of recordings of Clara and Robert Schumann's music. And why is that connected to that? Because the Schumanns were friends with the Mendelssohns. Um, I think... As we talked about. Unfortunately, Fanny and Clara Schumann... They uh, never Fanny, met. They met once. Did they? I think, like like once. or they, they, they were friends for a very short amount of time, even though they had a lot of mutual respect. Mm -hmm. They actually only met, I think, once. Or Oh, Okay, so Brahms comes into this because he went to the Schumanns um, just to show them, hi, I'm a young composer. I'd like you to see my music. And Interesting accent that Brahms had. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I have accents. I can't actually place them when I need them. There was one time I was trying to do an imitation of an Irish accent, which I can't do, and it came Ooh, out as Jamaican. you got to do an Irish one. you just got to talk a little bit lightly. It came out as Jamaican, and I was musical. like, well, You know what? They actually do. I, I, I believe there's a, an Irish influence there. County Cork. They yeah. sound Jamaican. Yeah. Um, the, compo the, <laughs> the conductor on Beatrice Rana's album is Yannick Nezet Seguin, and that's what I want to mention. Easy for you to say. Yeah. 
Oy vey. You thought Itzhak Perlman was a little tricky to say. Why yeah. do you want to mention that? Because he's from Montreal. Carefree <laughs> Highway. <laughs> so um, I just think that's neat that it's February 3rd, which happens to be the birth date of uh, Felix Mendelssohn. So let's let's wrap it up. Okay, man. Great Thank episode. You very much. Yeah. Post COVID episode. Post Malone Holy. COVID. We got past 13. 14 is going to be so easy. You know, it's going to happen. The camera's going to work. There's going to be nobody doing like repairs in the studio. We literally have the iPhone camera t- scotch taped to a music stand. We do this for you, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Our mind on music. We're Good back. Stuff. Woo! See that? We didn't even do like a, a elbow bump or something. This is yeah, post COVID. We can see COVID. But, everybody thanks for watching we'll see you Bye. Um, hopefully next week not next month yep. don't forget to like and subscribe good night hi <laughs> <laughs> nothing's changed here and we're back nothing's changed so did i mention this is episode 13 because uh, we, we had Leon's iPhone taped to a music stand because the camera is not working. In, in Alberta, we call that jerry-rigged. Oy vey. Do you call it that? That's what we call it. Um, okay, so episode so we're back. 13, we're back. Do we're you know recording. what we were talking about when we, when we, when we left off? No idea. We were talking about... where the heck we are. The, the people are totally lost now. I know. They're so confused, eh? All right, man. Our mind on music. We're back.